Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, whenever I'm thinking or praying or, or trying to work out something, I'm walking back and forth, back and forth. High pace. So, what I thought about was this. The best way to introduce me is that I am a sinner. I'm a sinner who needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Everyone in this room needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because we were all born to sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And we all need our Savior. I know I need him. I need him every day. I need to die to him every day. But at the beginning of this week, our pastor uh, called me up and he, he put this opportunity in front of me. He said, John, you know, if, if you find it in your heart, uh, I could use you on uh, uh, Sunday as a, as a backup if, uh, if Pastor Darrell has to go uh, be by the side of his daughter-in-law who's about to have a baby. Because the plan was, man's plan was that, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, Pastor Darrell would be doing this message today. But as it works out, um, I gladly accepted the invitation to come here and prepare a message and and bring it to you. Now, I will tell you this. Immediately, my worldly self said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare this message and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I wrote an email to Pastor Lynn and said, I found the start of my sermon. It's in Romans 14 and 15. I know it's somewhere in there. And then I sat down at my desk and I went to write this message for today. And I could not write a single word. Nothing would come out of my head to go on to paper. That wasn't God's message. That was my message. So I got frustrated. My wife will tell you. I crawled into bed. I said, I'm going to bed. I can't think about this anymore. But I prayed. And I prayed that God show me what I was supposed to do. Show me how I was supposed to convey the message of today to you. And so I got up the next morning, and the message that you're going to hear today flowed out on paper without stopping. This morning, my wife, who, who we, we do devotions in the morning, and um, I don't have ADHD, but she does, so she's all over the place. And, and so she whips this scripture in front of me, and it was a great reminder. And it was right out of Proverbs. And it said, a man's heart plans his way, 
but then the Lord determines his steps. (laughs) God is good. And all the time? (laughs) All right. (laughs) So that's how um, this morning started out for me. You know, the devil tries to get in our way. He tries to get in the way of us putting the message out there that's supposed to be there. The devil had put the idea in my head that I was going to write this message. God showed me the better way. If anybody knows anything about the life of Joseph, there's an equation in his life that uh, I'm stealing from um, another pastor. Tony Evans. (laughs) Evil plus God equals good. That's a great equation. God, God wanted this message to come across to you today. The point is, it's not mine, it's his. The words are his. I did not have any idea where he was going with this, and I, I hope that I don't confuse you at the beginning, but I'm going to go ahead and start into the message after we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the, the opportunity to come together uh, as a group of believers who, who want to praise and worship you. And, and God, uh, help us to bring people to you, help us to to do your will, and and God, uh, help us to serve you in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. Okay. How many of you have gone to a movie or read a book where the the first thing you see is a page or, or a screen that says, based on a true story, dot, dot, dot. That piques your interest, doesn't it? Because it's true. It's a, it's a story that you can believe because it's just playing out what really happened. There needs to be a page right before Genesis that says, based on a true story, dot, dot, dot. There needs to be that recognition that the Bible is true. You know, in the last series, Pastor Lynn explained to us how we could trust the Bible. He showed us archaeological evidence. He showed us theological evidence. He showed us textual evidence that the Bible is true. So since the Bible is true... Shouldn't we do what it says? Shouldn't we serve God and serve others? That's what the Bible tells us to do, right? I'm convinced that the Bible is true. So I'm also convinced that I should be serving God and serving others. The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that we should serve God. The Lord. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for his worksmanship, oh, for we are 
his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God separated, or which God prepared beforehand. I'm going to start over. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I stumble over scripture every once in a while. (laughs) I'm human. God has work for us. He's got stuff that he wants us to do for him. And he determined what that was before we even exited the womb. He knew that we had a task. And he knew that if he put us on this planet, we would do that task once we connected with him. The question becomes, why would we want to do this? Why, in this world that tells us, you got to have a bigger car, you got to have a truck that's 14 feet off the ground, you got to have a great big house or a great big boat so I can make myself look better than you. Why in that world should we serve God? Why in that world should we serve others? And what would motivate us to do that? I can tell you for me, the motivation comes from inside that book that is true. It comes from inside the Bible. It comes from the God we understand. There are motivators there. Motivators to do the next right thing. And the first one of these is God is alive. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God that's alive. Isaiah 40:28 says, "Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends in the, of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Our understanding of God is tiny compared to what He is. Our understanding of God is not complete. But he is alive and he's here and he's here for us and he wants what's best for us. The second motivation that we have to serve God is that Jesus is alive. He's alive and he's among us. All the way at the end of the Bible in Revelation 1 17 to 18, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. As though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades. 
Jesus is alive. He's here. He is among us. The Bible tells us wherever two or more are gathered in his name, he's here. Hallelujah. He's here. I don't know if you could feel it, but I did this morning. I sat in Pastor Lynn's office in a corner, and I prayed before the service today, and I could feel him. He was there. He said, go get him. (laughs) So that leads us to the third reason, the third motivator to serve God. The Holy Spirit is alive in us. Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what's cool about the New Testament? First off, for those of you that read the Old Testament, and I read a lot in the Old Testament because I think it's so important to know the foundation of our religion. In the Old Testament... People had the Holy Spirit laid upon them to do something that God wanted them to do. And then they took it back. Since Jesus died on the cross for us, we're given the Holy Spirit forever. We don't have to give it back, it's a free gift. It's a, it's a guiding light for us. It's a conscience, if you will. Once that Holy Spirit is in us, we get to live for God. We get to be guided, if we ask. You know, God gave us free will, so we have to ask. We have to die to ourselves and live for him. The other thing that's cool about the Holy Spirit is when you get it, you get as much as you're ever going to have. I'm going to talk to the believers for a second. If you're a believer and you've received the Holy Spirit, you have as much of the Holy Spirit as Billy Graham has. You also have as much of the Holy Spirit as the Apostle Peter had. And the great works and the great service that those people have done for God, you can do. We're enabled by our God. We're enabled to do (laughs) what we are supposed to do. So the Bible teaches us that we have a single God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all working in harmony as one God. The Bible also teaches us that God is holy, supreme, and sovereign. 
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's also the Prince of peace. It teaches us that he is the same now as he was at creation. And he will be the same forever. It teaches us that he created all there is. So you might ask me, oh, wait a minute. As a side note, aren't you glad you serve a living God? Aren't you glad that when you pray, you can get an answer? You know, dead gods can't do that. There are religions in this world where they serve a dead God. That's got to be the most empty feeling. Yeah, there's a God that used to be. Our God is alive. He's here. He wants to interact with us. He wants to know us. So you might ask me, John, what's the point? What's the point of what you've said to me so far today? The point is that the best reason to serve the living God is that we owe every bit of our existence to him. He created everything. Without him, we don't have the things that we have. We don't have the air that we breathe. We don't have the sun We don't have anything. We cease to exist. God is a wonderful God. And he's given us all these gifts. Why would we not want to serve him? To me, that's the motivator. Without him, I am nothing. So the fourth reason or the fourth motivator to serve God, is that we belong to him and we owe our lives to him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We were created to serve him. And we were created to glorify him in that service. That should be motivation enough. And since we now know the motivation and and we've established that, based on the truth of the Bible and based on the fact that it's in the Bible, now the question becomes... How do we serve him? The first way we serve him is to believe in him and his son. In other words, have faith. Did you know that you can only have faith here? Once we ascend, once we're with Jesus... We don't need faith anymore. We'll see him. Here, we need faith. We need to believe in the things that we cannot see. That's the definition or definition of faith. 
Once we get there, all we'll want to do is praise. In John 14, 1, it says, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is one of the commands of Christ. This isn't a point of maybe I ought to. Or it feels good if I do this. No, this is a command. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. You know, some churches teach the commands of Christ and they try to condense it down into eight commands of Christ. And I found a document that was published in 1925 and and it was uh, published by an evangelist and, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But anyways, he pointed out that there are 21 commands of Christ that are supported by at least 105 scriptures. And if we follow those commands, we can live the life that God wants us to live today. And in Hebrews 11.6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, by believing in God and letting God guide our lives, we glorify him. We let him know that we're subservient to him and that we will do what he wants us to do and thus serve our purpose. We best believe in God when we believe that everything that it says in the Bible about him is true. That he's omnipresent, that he's omniscient, that he's omnipotent. All the omnis, he is everything and anything that we should worship. When we live our lives in the way through the belief in him, people notice the difference in our lives. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say it now. The number one evidence that Jesus is alive is the change that he makes in people who are saved. When I was saved, I changed. I became that new creation that God wanted me to be. You know, I only got saved uh, about four years ago. I didn't know life could be like this. I didn't know that I could feel what I feel. That God could be present with me. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know about the Trinity. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with Jesus. When I got saved, people that knew me before said, what happened? That's my best opportunity 
to explain about what Jesus has done in my life. Jesus has caused a change that just can't go back. I'll get on to a little more of that later. (laughs) So what's the second way that we serve God? We love him. In Mark 12, 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. And there's a reason why I chose the verse out of Mark rather than Matthew. Because Mark is very clear that we'll serve him with all our strength, which means that we're going to do something. God didn't say that he made us to sit on the couch and watch TV. He made us to do things for him. John Lewis mentioned last week that uh, Adam was brought in to, to tend to the garden and to name the animals. He had a job. The very first person on, on the earth. He had a job. He needed to do something for the Lord. He had a purpose. Today I have a purpose. And I'm to love God. See, I'm going to borrow something from Rick Warren. Your, your life should be centered in God. We should praise him and worship him and we should bring him our first fruits. That's what the Bible tells me to do. It tells me to bring him my first fruits. And again, this glorifies him. That's why we're here. We're here to do God's will and to glorify him. So the next way that we serve God is we obey him. Before the first service, I was in the back of the room and and we were talking about obedience and what can happen when we obey. My God, the blessings are wonderful. Anytime I serve the God, I serve God in any way, I get blessed tenfold the, the amount of effort I put in or the amount of money I put in. God blesses me when I serve Him. In the Old Testament, after Moses had proclaimed much of the law and explained the curses associated, see chapter 27 in, in uh, Deuteronomy is all about the curses that happen if you don't follow God's commands. Then in chapter 28, right at the beginning, it says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So between Deuteronomy 27 and 28, you have something that's called the theology of retribution. And I'm going to explain that 
in real simple terms. The theology of retribution says that if you obey God and you do his commands, you will receive blessings. On the other hand, if you rebel against God and you don't do his commands, you will receive curses. And I'll tell you, that was really hard to follow under the law. There were 600 and some laws to follow. The law was created because God knew that we couldn't follow them all. He knew we would need salvation. Those laws are not 100% outdated. Those laws were put in place so we would know the difference between right and wrong. We would know the difference between what God likes and what God doesn't like. And he says those things in no uncertain terms. So read your Bible. It tells us how to live. It's our owner's manual. Folks, everything between these pages is true. Everything. That theology of retribution still applies today in that we need to follow the commands of Christ. We need to believe. We need to serve. We need to help others. So that brings us to the fourth way that we serve God. We do his will. Hebrews 13.21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we are to do his will. Not ours. Very much like when I wrote the the message this week. I was going to do my will, but I couldn't. I needed to do his. But we glorify God by working in the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus came onto this earth of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And then he was put to death on a cross for us. He did that willingly. Jesus is God. If he didn't want to do it willingly, he could have made it so it didn't happen that way. But he also needed to fulfill the scriptures so that God's plan of redemption could happen. By the way, I almost fell off the stage this morning. (laughs) I'm coming close again. (laughs) One of the things that's important to note when, when we talk about doing God's will is that 
We have to become spiritually mature and spiritually awake enough to know what that is. The only way we do that is becoming familiar with with Scripture and with praying to the God that we understand so he can bring us wisdom. As people, we are not born wise. We might be born with the senses that tell us not to touch a hot stove, but our senses cannot tell us the difference between slandering someone and being kind to them. Our senses can't do that for us. But God can. I want to tell you something that happens when your life changes in Jesus. Before I was saved, I understood what happiness was. And I often equated joy with happiness. I often said, well, if I'm feeling happy, oh, that's joyous, right? And then I got saved. And then one day I was driving down the road and I was listening to Christian music and and I was looking at the clouds and I saw um, the the world in the the beauty of the world. And then inside me there was this rush of emotion, this rush of something. That's joy. I rolled into work and the tears are rolling down my face. I felt joy for the first time. I had never, ever felt that good in my life. That's the difference between knowing Jesus and not knowing Jesus. Because I knew there was a God, but I didn't know Jesus. What a wonderful difference that makes. The whole situation that led me to feeling that way was the result of serving others. So the number five reason why we, or how we serve God, is we serve others. The second half of the Great Commission is in Mark twelve thirty one. It says, or the primary commands, not the Great Commission, is in the second, or in Mark twelve thirty one, and it says the second is this: You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we're to love our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and our strength. And we're to love others as ourself. Loving others as ourself means that we serve them for the glory of God. You know, there's, there's two different kinds of love in the Bible. There's agape love, which is the love that God has for us. I can tell you that humans don't understand agape love 
very well. We understand that it's how God loves us. We understand that it's unconditional. But we love in a different way. We love in the filio love way, which is the most that we can muster. The most that we as human beings can muster. That's filio love. That's how we have to love our God because we can't do any more. So we love our God in that way and we're supposed to love our neighbors in that way. Who's our neighbor? The person sitting beside you. The person you run into that needs help on the road. The person that is at the grocery store that doesn't quite have enough money to buy the things they need. Our neighbor is everyone that's around us. The people that see us as Christians. So how do we serve others? That, that becomes the question. How do we serve others? Well, the first thing we do is we give to the poor. My wife will tell you, well, I'll give you this illustration. My wife will tell you that back when we first met and it came up to Christmas time, we saw the guy out front store with the store with the bell, right? And I proceeded to tell her, oh, they have enough money. Well, after I got saved, when I hear the bell at Christmas time, I'm handing her the money to go take it and put it in the, in the till. That's not to brag about the change. That's to tell you that there was a change. I'm not who I used to be. You are not. If you're saved, you are not who you used to be. And then I went looking in the Bible. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people think that the Bible is a suggestion. Well, I'll tell you what. There are commands in this Bible. And there are commands that are very clear. And in Deuteronomy 15.11 it says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. It says, I command you. It doesn't say, I suggest that you. This is what God wants us to do. This includes the people that don't have food. It it includes the people on the side of the road that, that don't have the things that we have. And it includes the people who falsely ask us for money. To think we have the excuse by saying, oh, they don't really need it. How do we know? How do we know? We don't. I can tell you that God guides me to give money to people now that I've never given money to before. Why? Because I hear it from him. It's not John the old selfish dude. It's John the guy that wants to please God. So the second way that we serve others is we bring Christ 
to others. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See your good works. Now, I want to I be very clear. You can't work your way into heaven. Salvation ensures that that is where you're going. But I'll tell you what, you sure can earn some rewards. The Bible tells me that I should build my treasure in heaven. It tells me that I shouldn't build my treasure here. Because the treasure I build here is subject to moss and rust and all kinds of things that will destroy it. But if I earn silver and gold here to bring with me to heaven, that will withstand the trial by fire that comes at judgment. That will withstand that fire that comes inevitably if I don't bring that with me to heaven all I have is wood, hay and stubble so I don't want to go there unprotected I want to bring others to God We want to bring as many people as we can to that narrow gate, right? We want to be pushing them through that door. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, the Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Did you notice that the Great Commission doesn't stop at bring disciples? So that doesn't mean that we invite people to church and we bring them to the church and then they're on their own. When we're serving others, we take the time to teach them the commands of Christ and to help them understand how to bring the commands of Christ into their lives. That's called discipleship. So our responsibility does not end at, hey, come on, let's go down to church on Sunday. It ends at, do you really understand how to live? Let me help you find your way. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that book that's true. It's not just a few little things that we need to teach. So don't let your friends that you've brought with you just flounder trying to find their way. It takes time. Right? It takes time to to show others the way. But those are the things that we can do. You see, 
We get to do this stuff. So that brings us to the third way that we serve others. We help and encourage others. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That means when somebody comes and they, t- and they say, my mother died today. Or my son, they found out that he's got stage four cancer. Or my brother got hit by a car. We reach out to those people and we, with our hearts, help them. You know, there's a bunch of us that have been through stuff like that. There's a bunch of us who have the experience to share with others when those kind of things happen. That's one of the beauties of the body of believers, is we can share those things, and we, and we get to do that. 1 Peter 4, 10-11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We should use the talents that God gave us to help others. We should use the talents that God gave us to help our families and our friends and the people around us. That's how we get to serve. I don't know how it works for you, but I know that when I serve, I get blessings. Like the theology of retribution says. If I serve God, I get blessings. Folks, if you're not out there serving others, try it. It doesn't take that much time. There are people who say, oh, I don't have time for that. And I'm going to... I'm going to be honest, I fall short sometimes. You know, I've been saved for four years, and the, and the first two years, man, I was, I was on fire. There are days now when things slow down a little bit. And I start falling back into the thinking that I had before. And then I have to remember, and, and God usually reminds me, that I'm nothing without him. And that I have to serve him. Before I close, I want to I share an illustration of how serving others can serve God. 
I was listening to the radio the night, be- night after I prepared this message. And uh, it was 1069. It was a Christian station. And they were talking about a ministry that for $38 a month, you can sponsor a child in a place that Jesus is not present and that you could bring some Jesus to them through food and education and that kind of thing. And I'm going to tell you, I've had that idea thrown in front of me several times, so I think someday that my wife and I might do that. But that's not what was important about what I heard that morning. What I heard that morning is that these sponsors and sponsees wrote letters back and forth. And I, I didn't tell you initially, these, this was in a Muslim area. So these letters were coming back and forth from the sponsor to the sponsee, and, and they had translators there who were not believers. But they knew both languages, so they could translate the letters back and forth. And through reading the letters going to the sponsees and back to the sponsors, those people who were translating came to Christ. You never know when you serve who you're going to affect. It can be somebody else down the road, somebody you don't even expect can come to Christ because you served. That is awesome. We have the right to do that. We have the power to help others. We got that from the living God. That God that we serve. So I'm going to put that question out there to you. Are you serving God? Are you giving back? God has given us so many blessings. I can tell you just looking around the crowd that most of the people here are better off than 90% of the population of the earth. Because it looks to me like y'all are well fed. I know I am. And it looks to me like y'all might have a a place to go that, that has a cover over it and heat and cooling. If you've got those simple things, you're better off than a bunch of people in this world. So I encourage you today. I encourage you to to take the time to do just maybe one thing. One thing that, that might be different than the norm for you. One thing that would serve someone else or serve God that's different. The, your blessings will come back to you. My experience tells me that the blessings will come back to you many times over. God's grace and mercy come into our life through service to Him. You know, 
I told you earlier that my life changed when I came into a relationship with Jesus. My life changed so much for the better, it's hard for me to explain it to you. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? I'm going to ask the the band to come back up. If you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, please consider it. I invite you to come up and pray with me. Or pray with that person that invited you to church. It's really simple. You see, again, Jesus came into this world and led a sinless life. He died on the cross and took our sin on him. He arose again and was put at the right hand of God. He is the one that we need in our life so that we can live and serve God. So I invite you this morning. You can do it here. You can do it at your seat. You can do it wherever you want. But please, don't leave here unchanged. Don't leave here without getting to know the one who has all power. Don't leave here without Jesus in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this, this time of invitation. And we thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to help someone find their way to Jesus Christ. God, we, we only can hope that you give us the opportunity to continue serving you today and tomorrow and, and for all the days of our life. God, we, we ask these things in Jesus' perfect name. Amen. I'd like everybody to stand, please. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.